pattern of the New Testament church and we consider the purpose and call of the church. So we'll be picking up and continuing where we left off this morning. We didn't cover all the sections we read this morning. Uh, So we won't read the whole section again, but let's pick up and read in Acts chapter 2. Let's say, let's beginning at, at verse 36. Acts chapter 2, we're beginning at verse 36, and we'll read to the end of the, end of the uh, chapter there. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many and with many other other words he testified and, and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who, were, those who gladly received his words and were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many, wondrous, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them amongst all as anyone had need. And continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and in breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food. Uh, they, uh, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the, to the church daily those. We're being saved. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word and as we consider it. And I, I bring to your mind this morning um, where we left off as we considered what the response of the church was. And it's to be echoed there in the words of Paul and to the letter of, uh, to the second letter uh, to the church of the Corinthians there in chapter 5 where the love of Christ should compel us. The love of Christ should captivate us. The love of God should control us. And it's interesting to note in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts ends kind of abruptly, doesn't it? If you've ever read the book of Acts completely from beginning to end, the book of Acts ends kind of, it kind of flounders. Which which is surprising because, because you would think Luke is... As, as detailed and as smart of a man as he was, you think he put an end to the story. No, but he, he leaves it out open, kind of floundering in. That the last thing we read, I believe, uh, was Paul there in Rome in a house he rented. And, and, and he, I believe he was under house arrest and people would come and he would tell people uh, the gospel as they would can't come and visit him. And then it stops. And, and, and that's, that's very important that it, it, it's open, right? 
We talked about it this morning. This book is, is, should be more aptly called the Acts of Christ by the Holy Spirit through His people. And so the, the work of the Acts of Christ have not been completed. They started there at the day of Pentecost and they continue to be written to, the, to, to this day. You and I may have a page in it. Maybe two pages in it. Or maybe just a couple of verses. We don't know. But the Acts of Christ are still continuing on. And just as, as when, we, when we are compelled by the love of Christ, we're to go out like the apostle. We're to go out to those, like those believers and, and, to, and to preach the gospel to those around us and to see souls saved and to see those added to the church daily, those whom the Lord would save. And that call goes to anyone. That call goes to every individual. You know, some men would look at the Great Commission and would sit there and tell you, you know, the Great Commission was given just to the apostles. It was, it was the, the, the Jesus Christ gave that directive to the 11 who were there. It's not meant for everybody and to everyone. And I, I would greatly disagree with them. For if that were true, the, 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 the Lord would not say, I, I will be with you until the end of the age, He says. I, I, it's the responsibility of every generation that comes into faith to reach out to the utter, uttermost parts of this earth. And when a generation fails to do so, we see dark times in church history, don't we? It's to every generation the task to go forth and to preach the gospel to all men and to all creatures. And you may ask me, well, Jamal, I'm not an evangelist. And I say, I'm not either. <laughs> I, I, but it doesn't say you have to be an evangelist. What, what, what was that great commission we read there in, in, in Acts chapter 1? It says, you are my, not evangelist, it says, you are my witnesses. Brothers and sisters, I tell you this evening, you don't have to be a gifted evangelist. You don't have to be a gifted uh, uh, street preacher. You don't have to be a gifted, uh, uh, gifted in apologetics. You just have to be a witness to the living God. And that task is given to all, from the youngest to the oldest. Uh, you know, this morning I failed to tell you a story and I feel burdened to share it to you this morning. You know, I, I, met, a, I met this old lady when I was younger, when I was about 15 years old or 16 years, I'm sorry, probably 16 years old. I, I was visiting an assembly in Tampa because I was currently dating this young lady named Jamie Beers. And, and while I was there in this, in this, in this assembly uh, called uh, Holiday Gospel Chapel, and it was a small assembly, mostly old, old people, not, not a lot of stuff going on and, and if you remember this, I'm going to pray for this, because it's not doing well to this day. It's, it's dwindled down to maybe about four or five ladies, widows. And yet they're there faithfully, and praise the Lord for them. But anyway, in this assembly was this, was this old lady. She was about 82 at the time. Her name was Edith. And, and here I am, 16 years old, full of energy, full of life. And this 82-year-old lady tells me, I, I've decided, Jamal, that, you know, it doesn't matter how old I am. I, I think I'm going to go, go out to the mission field and serve in whatever capacity I can. I, there, there was no, no current uh, short-term missions trip there at the assembly. There was no, no currently. She started calling around. She, she phoned a, a missionary out in the Philippines out of all places. Now, I don't know about you, but it, uh, the Philippines wasn't exactly a safe place. I mean, a, a year or two later, two of the assembly's missionaries were, 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 were captured and, and held hostage for months. You, uh, you guys probably remember some of that. 
And this 82-year-old woman, at that stage of her life, the love of God compelled her. It didn't matter how old she was. It didn't matter how dangerous it was. It didn't matter uh, if she would be ill when she got there or, or she, you know, she, she catch some type of disease which her 82-year-old body could not fight off. It did not matter to her. And she went off for a couple months to the Philippines. <laughs> and she came back. Giddy. Happy. You know, I, I saw her again a couple months ago. She's 95. She's still giddy. I, I tell you that story as, as a challenge to my heart and as a challenge to your heart. Uh, brothers and sisters, the, 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 the call to be a witness is to every individual. It's to every soul. In whatever sphere you find yourself in, whether at school, whether at work, whether your retirement community, whether you're on vacation, whether the Lord calls you to go overseas, the Lord calls you to be a witness, to, to do the acts of Christ through the Spirit, by the Spirit, through you. The acts of Christ are still being written today through faithful, faithful saints. They don't have to be great or small. They can be anybody. All, all the Lord needs is a willing heart. A willing soul. And so we see the kind of response to the assembly, the kind of response believers should have to the gospel of Christ. To the God who redeemed His church. And so this evening, I want to continue... And I want to look at some of the characteristics of this church because the characteristics of this church have a lot to do with how they witness to those around them. And one of the things that you notice, and we read it in the passage that we read this tonight and this morning, and one of the, one of the main points I want you to consider and to meditate is their unity, their one-mindedness, we read that they were of common mind, of one accord. You know, when we look at the New Testament church, when we look at the birth of the church here today, here in the book of Acts, we see how God initially intended it to be. When it says that the New Testament believers there were of one mind, they were one mind not just in the gospel. Not just in gathering around the name of Christ, but they're gathered, they're also in one mind concerning all things, in all aspects of their lives, including their own money. We read there that, that, that some of the, the believers there, uh, if there was a need over here, if there was a need over there, they, they would take of their own. They had property, they would sell it to fill the need. If they had a business, they would do what it takes to fill the need. Now, some saints would sit there and tell me, well, Jamal, that's, that, that, that's for the beginning of the church. That, that's not really true today. And, and I, would, I would disagree with you. I, I, you see this still today. It may not be as prevalent. I mean, I, I know of a case 
where, where a family was, was gathered together with their assembly and they, and they asked for prayer. They said, Saints, we're in dire need of a second vehicle. Now, we only have one vehicle. We have three kids and my husband takes it to work. We need a second vehicle. Please pray that the Lord would provide a vehicle. And lo and behold, there was a, a family there in the meeting who, who happened to have a third car. You see, the, the brother had lost his mother a couple months back, and he inherited his mother's car. And so he had a car, she had a car, and now he had his mother's car. And he was thinking about selling the car. And, and the brother said, to, well, why am I going to sell the car? There's a need right here. And the brother would, would hear, 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 this is from the Lord. Is that not Acts chapter 2? Is that an Acts chapter? It, it is, isn't it? There's also a sense in, the, in, in this New Testament church, in, in this Acts chapter 2 church, in that the believers were, were in one mind, they're also in each other's lives. Well, how, how else are you going to know the needs of the saints around you if you don't know them? How else would you know? I, even taking one step further, I mean, I, it's almost like they're so knit together that they, they kept in touch so much. And, and amazingly, they, they did it without Facebook, without Twitter, without cell phones, without texting. But imagine this. Consider the Apostle Paul and the sphere of influence that the Apostle Paul had. And yet when we read the epistles that the Apostle Paul penned, it, it, it almost seems, or it, it, it is, that... He knew these assemblies. He knew the needs of these assemblies. He knew what the, the, these believers lacked and, and what they were strong in. He was acutely aware of what was going on in that local meeting. There, there was a, a, a knit, close fellowship amongst the believers. And it's gravely important. It's something we need today. Not, not just to, to appear and see each other maybe once or three times a week for an hour or so, but to truly be integrated with one another. To, 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 to know what, what each other's needs are. What each other's pains and hurts are. So that we can be there for each other. To know when, when, when there's praises when there's successes. So that we can, we can praise and, and, and succeed with each other. Saints, I, it's, it's, not, it's not a very complicated thing. And I, and I, I, say, this, I say this to myself as well. You know, the, the, the corporate body of believers is a physical body. It's it's one part cannot work without the other. It's it's very clear. The Bible says it so, and your own bodies will tell you that as well. Uh, Now I'm going to do something my wife hates. Is I'm going to use her as an example. You know, a couple years back, my wife broke her pinky toe. Now she called me while I was at work and said, "I think I broke my pinky toe." I said, "No, you didn't. You probably just..." Stubbed it. I said, no, I, I, when I get home, I'll, I'll put it back in place. Thank God I didn't because she went and got an x-ray and it was broken. But the, the point is this. Science will tell you, oh, you know, through evolutionary processes, the pinky toe will eventually be phased away. Because we don't really need it or use it. Well, let me tell you, my wife couldn't walk without a pinky toe. It was broken. She had to walk around country. And the interesting thing is we had, we had a Sunday school trip literally the next day. 
So we spent the entire day at Lion Country Safari with my wife on crutches. It was a lot of fun, actually. I'm not complaining. But the point is this. Is the body works and is knit together. One part cannot function without the other. And there should be a knit close relationship with the saints. Not, not, not just uh, in, 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 in Christ, but also in all our needs. And also, lastly, I, I, the unity that they have in love. You know, there in, in the Gospel of John, the Lord says to them, A new commandment I have given you, that you love one another. He gave us that commandment for a very important purpose. Not because we're so lovable. In fact, that's quite the opposite. Most of us are not very lovable. I mean, I, I, I can annoy anybody in a matter of minutes, I guarantee you. And I don't even have to try. Ask my wife. But he gives us this command to love one another. And it says, it says in John chapter 17, verse 21, it says, I give, I give you this commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Wow. That was a big shoes to fill that you also love one another. And this is the reason for it. It says, By this, all will know that you are my disciples. That you are my disciples. You know, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest witnesses we can do, one of the biggest witnessing we can do in our day-to-day -day life is with our actions is how we conduct ourselves around unbelievers, around believers. It, it, it's, the Lord doesn't say it for no reason. It, it, they're watching you. They're watching me. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the moment you trip up, oh, they're there to tell you. They're there to point it out to you. The moment you lose your patience and snap at somebody, oh, well, you call yourself a Christian. The moment you're short with your wife, on the phone, they'll call you out on it. The moment you're unkind to someone, they'll call it out. But what stands as a, as a witness more than anything is the love for one another. And that's, that goes without refuting. In fact, our brother Luke and Lana, they're not here tonight, so I'll tell this story. But they, they, they weren't born, they weren't, you know, they weren't born in a church and, and they weren't brought, brought up in an assembly. They, they were saved later in life. And so they, ha they have a lot of history. They have a lot of friends that aren't saved. And, and so they still have a lot of unsafe friends that come, come, come and visit them from, from Detroit. And, and Luke told me one of his friends was astonished by how when Luke's friends gathered together in his house, there seems to be so much harmony. There seems to be so much love for one another. There's no bickering. There's no fighting. There's no <laughs> insulting each other. His friend who, who's un, unsaved was baffled by it. To see the actions of believers hanging out, having a good time. Being kind to one another. Loving each other. Enjoying fellowship with one another. It speaks more than our own words sometimes, saints. And we see the importance 
of love. The unity in love. Why should we love each other? Well, because God loves you. God loves me. And we should love what God loves. I mean, that, 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 was, that was the Lord's main, <laughs> main message to Peter there after His resurrection. I said, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> Peter, said, looking down, said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Well, listen, sheep aren't, aren't, uh, aren't as nice as we imagine them to be. They never are. Sheep are, are, are smelly, disobedient. They wander away. They're, they're, they're sometimes ignorant, sometimes stupid. But yet, the Lord says, feed my sheep. Who's, who was He speaking of? He wasn't speaking about actual sheep. He was speaking about you and I, saints. To love one another. Love what God wants. God redeemed you and you and I. And we should love one another for it. And, and lastly, to, to, to not belabor the point about being of one accord and to love one another and about it being a witness to the world around us. Because it, it really, honestly, is the best witnessing tool. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says, Be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks, asks you, a reason for the hope that is in you. You see, the, the, greatest, the greatest witnessing tool we have as a, a group of believers is our love for one another. Is how we conduct ourselves around one another. The world looks at it at all. Like, 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 like we have it figured out and they, they want a piece of it. So saints, we should, uh, we should exhort each other. We should, we should seek to be of one mind, of one heart, and of one love. And then secondly, I, I want to point out to you, and, and I won't spend too much time on this one, because time is fleeting from us, is we see the, the, the beginning of the four basic meanings of the church here in this chapter. You can call them the four pillars of the church, maybe. Now, there are other meanings besides these, but these are the four we find here in, in Acts chapter 2. We read there in verse 42, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, number one, in fellowship, that's number two, in breaking of bread, that's number three, and in prayer. And, and, and saying, I, I will, saints, I will say this. Each local meeting, as autonomous, as autonomous as they may be from one another, have to, has to, meet in these forms some way or another. The, the, the moment we lack in one, it's a door, it's a door for Satan to come in and to, and to uh, attack. I, I mean, the first one, the Apostles' Doctrine. How, how important is truth in the church today? Especially in a day and age where, where truth is becoming Relative. Where, where, where biblical scholars will sit there and start refuting Scripture itself. It's appalling. You know, I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to go on a, on a bunny trail here, but I, I'm amazed at how many educational programs come on during this time concerning biblical, biblical topics. I don't know if you've noticed this. If you ever watch uh, educational television, around this time, around Christmas, around New Year's, you, you, you'll find all these, you know, uh, Nova, uh, 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 CNN, uh, uh, 
PBS, all these things about uh, uh, the life of Christ, the birth of Christ, the life of Paul. And every single one of them refuting the historicity of the Scriptures, the validity of God's Word. It's appalling. And, and, and saints, if, if, as a, if as a local body of believers, if we don't not if we don't exercise each other in the truth, in the in the doctrines of the of the of the apostles, in the in the doctrine of the Lord, I mean the, the apostle Paul, there in Acts chapter twenty said, "For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God." Saints, I, I, my prayer is that in this local meeting, that, that we don't fail in this. The moment we fail in one aspect of this, Satan will come in and begin to, to attack. The moment we, a generation before me and the generation after me doesn't learn the, 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 the biblical doctrines of the New Testament church for themselves is the moment that they begin to slip away from us. Well, why are so many assemblies today walking away from New Testament principles? Because the generation coming up never, never was convicted about these doctrines for themselves. And they look around themselves, they look around and say, well, that a church doesn't do it. That church doesn't do it. They don't do it. And they seem to be having success. Now, logically, they would sit there and say, okay, well, maybe we should adopt that method. Saints is vitally important. For the teaching of truth in the, in the church. And then we have fellowship. The love of the saints. And I won't say much to that because I've already kind of covered that. But in Hebrews chapter 3, it says to exhort one another. Exhort one another weekly? No, that's not what it says. Exhort one another uh, you know, every couple of days? No. It says exhort one another daily. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's a tall order. I, I mean, there's quite a few people here tonight, and, and I don't think I can call everyone every single day and exhort them. But the idea is there to encourage, to exhort your, your, your fellow believers, your saints, the, your, your co-laborers in the Lord as much as you can, as much as you have opportunity to, to love and to fellowship with one another. And then the breaking of bread. What can I say about that? Worship. The importance of worship in the life of saints. Without worship, we can grow cold to the gospel, can't we? You know, it's interesting to note that there in Acts chapter 2, it says that they went from house to house breaking bread. It's almost as if they did it on a daily basis. Later we read that they did it on the, at the beginning at the first day of the week. And that's why we do it. We, do it. We, we, we worship the Lord. We come together around a table of remembrance with, with a simple loaf and a simple cup. And we gather together around the person of, a, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we bring our worship, the men audibly, the women silently. And we're reminded of what He is, who He is, and what He has done for us. Saints, I, 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 leave, I leave afresh every Sunday morning 
I, it, it should say something to the hearts of the saints. When I, uh, our brother Grace there. I, no matter how ill that man gets, if he has enough energy to be here on Sunday morning, he will be here. And I can't even get here on time. That's how much the, the worship means to that man. Praise the Lord for that example. For him to gather around the Lord's table and to remember his Lord and his Savior. How important it is for the saints. And lastly, prayer. I, prayer is so important. Now, I will say that prayer is, is lacking in today's age. is lacking in my life. We don't see a lot of prayer warriors like we used to back in the day. Men like George Mueller with such faith and such power in prayer. We need more, more of that, saints. For it is in prayer that, that, that uh, believers have... The, we have power in prayer. The, 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 inter, in, the intercession of the, of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Yet we neglect prayer. And I'd encourage you, and we're going to touch on that a little more later on concerning prayer. But there you see the four basic meanings of the church. Now, like I said, there's others, but these are the four fundamental. These are, these are, 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 are very important to a local meeting. Incredibly important. And we should hold on to these meetings and, and we shouldn't waver from them. Now, a third point I want to get to as, as time quickly flies away is... I want you to consider and I want you to meditate upon how sensitive the New Testament church or the Acts chapter 2 church was to the leading of the Spirit. Because I think that's part of our problem today. You see, they're the apostles as they moved forward. They never moved on their own volition. They never moved on their own Logic, they always waited for the leading of the Spirit. Uh, you can recall, there in Acts chapter 16, when, when, when Paul, there in his second missionary journey, I believe, second missionary journey, he says that he had a desire to go north to Asia. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a bad desire. But he said that the Spirit did not permit him to go. And then he said, he wanted to go this region. And the Spirit said, no, 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 not yet. And over here, and the Spirit said, no. Okay, and they, they, they waited. Did he go? Did he become impatient? Well, you know, sometimes uh, men who are evangelists tend to have ants in their pants. They, they, they either have to be talking to somebody about the Lord, or they have to be giving out a, a, a gospel church. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we should be very sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. It wasn't until the Spirit came upon Paul and gave him a vision about a man in Macedonia calling for the message. Did they then get on a boat and go to, towards Corinth, towards Macedonia? And there the Lord wrought a great work through Paul. And many souls were saved. And I bring this up to you, saints, because sometimes in today's modern Christendom, it's all about the method it's all about how we reach sinners. What can we do to appeal to the masses? Terms like neo-Christianity. Let, 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 let's make everything applicable, kind, and nice for anyone. 
so that anyone can come in. Let's, let's change anything and everything just so we can have more people in the seats. And, and that's not what we see in Scripture, is it? Far from it. But we, you see these, these men and these women in, 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 in fervent prayer and fasting sometimes, waiting for the, for the Lord to what? For the Spirit to open a door. Saints, sometimes we're in so much motion, needless motion. We're in so much of our own strength and our own energy, and we're just chugging along because this is, we believe this is what God wants. Now, I don't want to discourage anyone from going forth and preaching the gospel. I don't. If you have a burden to, 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 to do, to preach the gospel anywhere and everywhere, that's fine. But saints, I would say to you, be earnest in prayer. Be earnest in seeking the leading of the Spirit. I remember a story Brother Tim Hood told me. You know, when they first wanted to become missionaries, they, 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 they ran off to all these missionary conferences and where they, all, all these missionary organizations would gather together. And, and, and honestly, they were just looking for a place for the Lord to fit them in. And, and, and there in these, these conferences, uh, they'll honestly, they'll take anybody. But the only thing you need to do is you need to have the support. Uh, this, this organization will send you over here. This organization will send you over here. But you need to, you need to raise support. You know, he told me how quickly and disillusioned he was with the whole thing. He ultimately almost gave up on the idea. It wasn't until the Lord opened the door. The Lord opened the door for him in Ireland. That he ever, ever did do any missionary work. The desire was there. But the Lord had to open the door. And, and you know, there's, there's many, many saints today who, who, uh, who look at this missionary work as, as some type of, of, of glamorous thing. Oh, I, I'm going to go to seminary, get my degree. Just because you get a degree doesn't mean you should be a missionary, by the way. It's not, getting a degree is not necessarily a bad thing either. But a lot of these things are done outside of the will of God. Outside of the leading of the Spirit. All because it, it makes human sense. Saints, there's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of wasted movement in Christendom today. Things done in human energy. In human strength. And the Lord doesn't bless that. And you may ask me, well, I, I tell you, this is why we don't see what we see in Acts chapter 2. How can the Lord bless if, if, if He's not going to receive the glory? How can the Lord wrought uh, a, a, a great victory if He's not going to get the glory? You know, Steve Kemper, you, you, some of you guys know Steve Kemper. He's been here before. He told me a story. He said when he was in, in Canada uh, a couple years back, he was working with the, with the Hatterites, I believe. He said that one of the one of the men that, at the assembly came up to him and said, "Listen, my 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 brother, my brother-in-law, in this town called La Crete, wants you to go and to and to tell him the gospel." Now, when he inquired where La Crete was, it happens to be twelve hundred miles away. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about you, but twelve hundred miles is a long way to go. 
Well, Brother Steve <laughs> called up a travel agency and said, how do I get to La Crete? He got on a plane, flew a thousand miles to a small little, little town within an airfield, rented a car, got in a car, drove another 200 miles to this to town, and, and looked for the address that the, that the brother gave him. And, and, and found this, this house and knocked on the door and said, Hi, my name is Steve Kember. Uh, I was told you wanted to hear about the gospel. The man said, This is great. Hang on one minute. The man took off. Left Steve Kember there in his house. I, you wonder what was going through his mind. 15 minutes later, the man comes back out of breath and says to Steve, Okay, we're ready. Oh, you're ready? What do you mean you're ready? Uh, uh, there's a bunch of us got together at a storefront to hear the gospel. Is, is that not Acts chapter 2, saints? Is that not Acts chapter 2? I, I guarantee you if, you, if you call up Brother Steve Kemper, say, well, how, how, how did that happen? He'll tell you. Listen, all I was was, a, was an empty vessel. The Lord called and the Lord opened the door and I, I walked through it. Listen, when the Lord is in it, there's great victory. When the Lord leads, there's great victory. So we should be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Sensitive to His door, to, to His opening and closing the doors. And then the last thing I want to I I bring to your mind is this New Testament church, this Acts chapter 2 church, they were zealous in good work. This is something I think we, we, we fail in Christendom today. Uh, to be zealous in good works. There in Titus, in Titus chapter, uh, chapter 2, Paul exhorts them. Paul says that, that the Lord called a peculiar people, He called His own people to be zealous after good work, Paul says. And we see this in the book of Acts. Right? In fact, if we turn a couple of pages, we, we read about this, this woman called Tabitha, Dorcas. And we read that, that this woman, uh, all by herself, it says that she was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And she labored there in the coastal country of Joppa, amongst the widows. And, and, and let me tell you, the city of Joppa were, were, were taking sight of it. So much so that when she passed away and died, and the widows were dismayed and distraught at the idea of, of, of her being passed away because their only helper, the only woman who ever took any interest in them and care for them, that, 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 that men in the city and women in the city would, would send out for Peter. And Peter would come and see this woman and the Lord would, would raise this woman from the dead. And in the Lord, in there, in Acts, it says that there was a great work done in the city of Joppa. So much so that Peter had to stay there and continue the work. So much so that he took residence in the house of a tanner, Simon. Now, now, was it Peter's work? No. Was it Peter that, 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 that wrought the great work? No. It was the witness of that woman, Tabitha. It, it, was, it was her daily action of, of looking out for those who were forsaken, those who were forgotten, and the world looking at her. That's what softened the ground of the hearts of those people and men and women in Joppa. We should be a people zealous unto good works. You know, Brother William McDonald 
told the story. It, it made me giggle when I heard it. He said in his old age, he was driving down the highway and he was praying to the Lord, Lord, give me somebody to witness to. I don't know how often you do that. I, I don't do that very often. But here's this old man asking the Lord to give somebody to witness to. And as he was driving down the road, he saw in the distance a car by the side of the road with a flat tire. And that, this old man pulled over. And in his old age, changed the tire. And he says, oh, how easy it is to share the gospel. After a good deed. You know, and, and he went on to say, you know, th- th- there's nothing wrong with a cold turkey ap- approach, he says. To, c- to come up out of nowhere and tell somebody they're, they're a sinner, they need to be saved. But it's quite different, saints. When you show care for an individual. When you show kindness to an individual. And then you say to them, friend, you're lost and your sin, and you're in need of a Savior. Now, I'm not saying that the cold turkey approach doesn't work. What I'm saying is, to show the charitable love of God first is far more efficient. Just like that old man changing a tire. To then witness to a soul. Oh, I, I, I say these things and, and, and I exhort you, but I exhort myself that it all comes back to me as it goes to you. To be zealous unto good works. Not, not, not just works for one another, but for those around us. That the love of God may be demonstrated and portrayed in our hearts and our mind. I pray that these thoughts concerning the church would bless your heart. You know, one of the things that, that, that's prevalent and clear in, this, in, these, in these events to the Acts, in these events in the Acts chapter 2 concerning the, the New Testament church. You know, our, our Lord said of the disciples in, in John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Greater works than these you will do. Greater works than whose? Than the Lord's you will do. You may say to me, well, how is that possible? <laughs> Listen, saints. The Lord fed 5,000. He gave them physical bread. But in Acts chapter 4, Peter had the privilege of feeding 5,000 souls spiritual bread. The Lord gave them physical bread, so much so that the next day they were looking for him because they were hungry again. Peter had the privilege of of witnessing to 5,000 souls and giving them the living bread, giving them eternal life, life that would not quench. They would never hunger again. When the Lord says, greater works than these you will do, it's true today as well, saints. For every soul that comes to know Him, there's great feasting in heaven for. It's a great miracle. May the Lord bless His name. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our Father, we're humbled by Your Word. 
How could a God love such wretched sinners? How could a God fathom such so great a salvation for undeserving humanity? How can a God be so gracious to to sons and daughters that are so wavering in their faith, so wavering in their walk, Lord? Father, we thank you and praise you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I ask that your word would take action in our hearts and action in our faith, Lord. I ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.